0: Welcome to the Dossier Podcast with Jordan Schachtel. Me and my good friend uh, Dave Reboy, we're going to talk about all kinds of things um, related to the foundations of our country, where it currently stands, reasons for pessimism, reasons for optimism. We're going to try to stay on the optimistic side because I think that, I, I don't know if, if you share this, but I think when like when you talk to a lot of people and you, you bring up the idea that this is we're in like a late Republic situation, they automatically think like, oh, so we're screwed. Like, so people are just gonna like get, go to the gulags and, you know, we have this inevitable path to tyranny. But I think what a lot of people miss is that like, you know, there's gonna be these alternative factions that kind of pop up and there's gonna be a lot of reasons to um, flourish in, you know, in the in the future that it's not just like, you know, this this like governmental tyranny is gonna destroy us all there's a lot of reasons um, to believe that we're going to have more like autonomy, more sovereign, more personal sovereignty than ever before.
1: Yeah, I would, uh, I would agree with that um, for, for, you know, for, for a number of reasons. Um, I don't know for my part in, in, uh, in 2012, when Romney lost to Obama, Mm -hmm. Um, I looked around and I thought, okay, something is very deeply, deeply wrong with this country. Um, I understand how Obama won in 2008. I do not understand how he was reelected four years later. Um, It seemed to me that there were, it seemed to me that the country had uh, significantly changed in a number of ways. Uh, And uh, sort of since then, Especially heightening for some reason in 2015, um, the country seemed to go through, you know, spasms of change. Let's say, and uh, and I think I think we can trace it. I mean, I always trace it in my mind to sort of the uh, an unlikely event. It was it was actually Caitlyn Jenner, the Caitlyn Jenner trans controversy. I think it was 2015, where all of a sudden. Out of nowhere, you had to be, you know, not only approving of but celebratory of the trans uh, movement. Um, you know, dead naming became a terrible offense, and um, and all of a sudden everything changed. And you could know you could really not dissent from the party line. And I think what happened was the media looked around and the activist groups, so primarily the media, they looked around and they thought to themselves, "Hmm, we got this. You know, we." We pretty much did this ourselves and we were able to make a complete civilizational change that had been, um, you know, existent, you know, for, for, for you know, as, as long as people have thought about these things um, and, um, and we were able to just basically force this through with the power that we have over communications and, and culture and after that i think they said you know what we're going to do this on a lot of other fronts as well and that kicked off a you know a a, you know 2.0 version of the culture war that really for a lot of people made them feel like it's no longer america because frankly it isn't it's not the america you grew up in it's not the america i grew up in and i'm not that old um and uh you know, and we are, you know, so that's, I guess that's point one, which is, which is we are in something very different. um, And many of us believe it is something very bad. So That's part one. Part two is, you know, what you got into, which is kind of reasons for optimism. And, um, and, you know, in this conversation, I think we should, we should definitely go there and be more specific about these things. Mm -hmm. Um, But I just wanted to sort of go back and, 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 you know give a little, little little idea, I think a lot of our you know viewers and listeners will um, you know will find that uh, that maybe it was around then things start to change and they start to feel like you know things are different and one of those big things is the state of the country, and it's not even necessarily political. It's not necessarily political. I think it's primarily cultural. And you know, not even the things that we think of as cultural. You know, it's not the movies. It's not you know, uh, uh, you know, it's a, it's it's cultural in terms of acceptable discourse in American society, and the consequences of violating that, the consequences of being outside of it, um, the the very um, the very narrow strand of what is acceptable in terms of you know what is not. You know, racist, homophobic, Islamophobic. Um, you know, blah, 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 etc. And, uh, and and you know, and the consequences for people who who violate them, because as as time goes on, um, what folks are reacting to instinctively is the fact that you know they basically have to stand in place. They didn't think five years ago that they were you know horrible fascists and Nazis, and all they have to do is stand in place. And within a very short time, they will be called fascists and Nazis and a whole bunch of other things. So, um, you know, the, it's the most natural thing in the world for people to feel like they are in a place that is, you know, it, for them to feel like they're no longer welcome in their own home. And I think that creates a whole host of problems politically, you know, uh, uh, socially and, and, uh, and otherwise.
0: Yeah, what I think is interesting is you know there's there's two different cultures that are pop, popping up now. Um, people have enti- like people have gotten to the point, especially I think COVID acts as, as as an accelerant of this that people have gotten to the point where they totally tuned out um, the culture being led by the elites, and a lot of people are just kind of like quietly doing their own thing. Um, this is especially the case with the corporate press. I think that some people like, I mean, even I I speak for myself, like my opinion on the corporate press has changed dramatically over the last, even like five or so years that I thought that like, you know, there were some things that were redeemable about such an institution. And now it's very clear to me that um, they need to be destroyed. And I look forward to their demise. Um, And the corporate press includes uh, not just, cnn you know msnbc nbc abc cbs but also includes um you know the news corp people too um especially like with this like corona fascism stuff these corporate interests are just you know not really looking out for us but you know like you just did a huge thing on you just were on tim pool's show right and the dude gets like a million hits plus per episode and there's a lot of things that you know Make me optimistic that there are alternative venues, and yes, there are social media giants. You know, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube are cracking down um, to some extent, but there's still um, there's still room, I think, right now. And it's going to be interesting to see how these you know the oligarchs make their next move. But they are still somewhat helping to facilitate you know like our countercultural um, movement in the United States. Uh, I think they realize that. And, you know, if they, if they totally embrace this like censorship regime, they might find themselves struggling to um, stay afloat. Um, I I don't know if it's inevitable, but I I was wondering, like, what what do you think is, is the next move? Because like, we've made a lot of the the right, you know, the base people, the, you know, the, uh, the that whole contingent we've, Made a lot of progress in converting people to our side um, and, and we have we have the numbers you know we have uh our people have the guns, <laughs> so it's um like it's not like you know they can just like throw us into the gulags tomorrow as much as some like radicals would like to do so. Um, we still have a lot of power centers, even though they might be like more decentralized and outside of these urban areas. What do you think is like? What do you think is the inevitable next move um, that you know the the elites that the left is going to make? Because it seems like you know we're at this point where they I think realize that you know when someone like you know Dan Bongino is, is taking up all the Facebook traffic and stuff like that, they don't like that, and I think it's inevitable that like there's some big move that's going to be made, but. I I think that, you know, we'll find some counter move to that.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that's, I think that's right. Um, They hate it. You know, I mean, CNN basically is a deplatforming outfit and nothing else um, at the, at at this point, you know, pick the target, freeze it, polarize it. um, And, and make sure to get them either demonetized or banned outright. But it doesn't seem like it's
0: working, you know, like you got a guy like Brian Stelter that, that goes on TV and like people just, people on like Twitter are just like clowning on him, like calling him a potato, you know, it's just like,
1: right. Yeah. Like yeah. God I mean, any
0: th- respect for him anymore.
1: I think these guys realized, or maybe they're starting to realize, maybe they're not, but, um, but we've realized, and a lot of the American people have as well, that there's a finite uh, amount of times they can do this. You know, there's a finite amount of times that they can try to, uh, I mean, they can de-platform all day long. Um, but Um, uh, but it's just getting harder and harder to take some of these attacks seriously that, that come from the media. I mean, I, I think, um, you know, folks who were destroyed five years ago over nothing, um, you know, maybe this year, the next year, you know, um, they wouldn't get into situations like that again. I think, you know, especially now, smaller employers, smaller businesses, things like that are, um, are, are a little cognizant of the fact that, you know, we shouldn't just throw somebody under the bus, um, you know, out of nowhere because there's a little social media pressure, et cetera. You know, we're we're not going to ruin somebody's life. At least I hope so. At least people are, I think, I mean, it it appears as though they're getting that message. Um, Hopefully, obviously with the big corporations, the big corporations are just going to throw anyone overboard that they can. And, um, and that's, and that's a problem just like,
0: yeah, our buddy, um, Chris Rufo just released a report on how Raytheon is now doing uh, critical race theory training for its white employees. And, you know, this comes after Boeing decided to do the same thing. And it, it's so fascinating. You know, it, it, we, we both kind of have a background, spending some time at D.C. Like, even I didn't realize, like, how woke, how insanely woke and crazy these institutions were. Um, and I, I think that, like, it's our job as... Um you know commentators and journalists and stuff to really keep hammering home how insane the the state of affairs in is in d c because I think a lot of people don 't even realize how corrupt um deceitful, and like e- just straight up evil these people are a- and by doing so, we can continue to like grow support for um our movement that I think is you know, more based in what the, you know, the foundational principles of America used to be. Um, like these these people, um, the, these, these military contractors or these government bureaucrats, they're so far detached from what America should be. Yeah, they're, they're, they're
1: detached and they're also, they were also never really bright, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. maybe they were bright before we were born or, you know, or, or sometime many decades ago. But I mean, since I was there, since you were there, you know, the, this is this is not, um, you know, we're, we're not we're not talking about, um, you know, we're not talking about uh, the Manhattan Project guys, you no. know, here, <laughs> you know, I mean, we're talking about glorified project managers at best. And, uh, you know, and, and, and frankly, you know, folks who 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 get paid either way, because the because the defense budget is always growing and there are more justifications for it. And, um, you know, they're getting they're getting money either way. And like there's one of my favorite things to point out to people um, who are always screaming about, um, you know, the like, let's say things like the foreign aid budget, because, you know, folks need to realize that in Washington, some, you know, it's not exactly as it seems, you know, foreign aid, for example, um, doesn't get shipped to a foreign country. It gets spent in Washington, primarily at think tanks, um, you know, progressive nonprofits, um, you know, military industrial complex groups, and, and things like that, you know, if we're giving, you know, $10 million to, to trans education in Pakistan, that, you know, that's not the Pakistani government, or the Pakistani citizens getting that money, that money is going directly to like some whack, whacked out leftist nonprofit, that is going to spend the money in Pakistan doing that. Yeah.
0: This is like peak clown republic, yeah. right? Yeah. That's why it's like, like all of our institutions, it, it's not like that. Like, I felt like when I realized this, I was like, am I just going insane? And then you kind of look at these people and you're like, none of them are, are really impressive um, intellectually, all of these think tanks and um, other you know NGOs, they're just so laughably corrupt. And, and anyone who takes part in that system has to just embrace the corruption. And I think we have like we have friends in these systems that just kind of like sit on the sidelines and realize how insane it is that they're like part of the system. But there's like no redeeming these institutions. They're going to have to fall
1: uh, hopefully sooner. Well, in- than increasingly, it. I think what's happening is that increasingly a lot of these places are not at all are doing things that are just not at all relevant to you know to the american people at all mm-hmm. i mean i know where i spent a lot of time you know center for security policy for many years um i mean i think it's you know one of the rare good ones in the sense that they're still doing good work and they've always kept an eye out for things that um uh you know for things that primarily affected the american citizen
0: yep yeah.
1: And have been, on the, have been on the kind of forefront of, of, uh, of a lot of amazing, you know, really, really important uh, battles over the last, you know, uh, 25, 30 years. Yeah. Um, but, but a lot of other places, it's still, um, you know, it's, it's still kind of ridiculous. And it's like the, the famous self-licking ice cream cone, which is a thing that, which is like an analogy and a joke that I never really understood until, you know, and, and, until, you know, being in D.C., like a self-looking ice cream cone. I don't. I, I don't understand how that works. And like that's the point, you know, uh, is is that it is an absurdity, and it 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 you know it perpetuates itself in order to perpetuate itself.
0: Yeah, and I think that at least people on the the so-called right that participate in this system, they like it because you got these wealthy donors um, paying them. Uh, probably twice as much as they would earn on the open market so it's like a nice cushy situation I think that they just like compartmentalize what's going on around them just like yeah I'm just going to write my paper about um, Venezuelan uh, sanctions and stuff like this and you know we're just going to pretend that everything everything is, is very normal and that you know, the military hasn't gone completely woke and our president doesn't have dementia. And like we're we're just in a we're in a normal time, right? Right. <laughs> so
1: this is a point that you brought up before, and I brought it up before, which which is that um which is that, you know, I mean, we came up and we spent most of our careers in the national security foreign policy space. And then it's like, what a huge thing to, and we've both kind of gone through this experience, like what a huge thing it is to wake up and realize like, oh shit, this is just not anything anywhere near as important as, you know, as it once was, or that we thought it was. And it was a really kind of defining moment because you can kind of go in either direction. Yeah. You know, you can say, no, I'm not going to, uh, I'm, I'm I'm not going to, uh, you know, kind of assimilate this new information, I'm going to do what I've been doing, which is like, hey, you know, everybody's got to make a living. And frankly, um, you know, good people need to be in there in the trenches fighting, because if no good people are in there in the trenches fighting, then the bad guys have a far easier time to march through and to make uh, and to to make messes a lot worse than they could have been. Um, But you know, on the other hand, like the path that you took, the path that, that I took was like, you know, no, I have to say, I have to admit, I can't do this anymore. Right. You know, I can't do this anymore because it's, um, it's just not as important as the other stuff, you know, and, and, um, and sort of as, as that process goes along and and now I'm, I'm actually interestingly, um, uh involved in in a new project that's kind of forthcoming next year which will be the um a collection of the foreign policy works of um of uh of um john quincy adams which is going to be um which is going to be really great because he is you know i mean he's he's someone who who really set the tone for much of american foreign policy before the 20th century um and um And, uh, and a lot of his, his stuff on the subject has not been, you know, kind of anthologized and, 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 and contextualized, but uh, so I'm looking forward to that project, but um, you know, as, as the, you know, as the, 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 the classical uh, philosophers would say, and, and, you know, and I think increasingly, increasingly they were right. And that, Reality has kind of reasserted itself, which is that, you know, at the end of the day, we are sovereign nations and the primary goal of a sovereign nation is to secure the well-being of its citizens. It's not not to fight demons abroad. It's not to, um, you know, take part in a massive, uh, you know, ideological um, expedition around the globe. Um, in order to do, you know, X, Y, or Z for good or ill. Um, yeah,
0: it, it's interesting though. Like I, I was just talking about this the other day. Like the looking back because now, like we're, I think the U.S. is finally drawing down from Afghanistan, and there's going to be basically like a few dozen people guarding an airport. Um, it's so insane to look back at those times. Um, I was super young then, but even like the justification was on such thin um merits, even when we entered Afghanistan, like yes, I, you know I, I lived right across New York City, and nine eleven was a horrible terrorist attack. But when you look back on like what we actually did in Afghanistan for twenty years, like what did that actually have to do with nine eleven Probably one uh, less than one percent of it was like a retaliation from nine eleven and of course we found um Osama bin Laden in Pakistan, <laughs> and, and it's like it just because of course we did it, it just it, it just it just blows my mind that this was like the acceptable discourse for decades for two decades and no one really substantially challenged it in any elected office throughout um, Congress whatsoever. You know the insane the insanity of the Bush administration to try these democracy projects. Like we moved the window, well, the the country and, you know, the so-called elites and the thinkers moved this window of like ideology to such a crazy place that, and and the corporate press again, which is, you know, one of the reasons why you should hate them is that they just kind of like accepted this propaganda. Like it was totally normal to just like send tens of thousands of soldiers into a country of subsistence farmers uh, people living in the mountains, like people like freaking like you know herding sheep all day. Yes, jihadis, but like it was just so insane what what the last two decades were like. And, uh, Iraq yeah. is Iraq is just as bad, but like this elite class is, is so pathetically dimwitted. You come to that realization, like how much they screwed up, and they they are still these these people what's encouraging is that there's very little trust in this class at this point. And that's why I am more white pill nowadays, because in the, you know, in the first decade of the 21st century, people were just, I would say if you did a poll about Afghanistan, Iraq, um, you know, the popularity of these, these general classes, just a total joke, there'd be like 90% support in the United States for it. I'd be interested to see polling now, um, compared to polling then and, and how people reflect on that. I think that uh, our country has been educated um, in, in, a, in, a, in a productive manner of, about, you know, the, these foreign interventions. And um, it, it's unfortunate because like we, I think you and I, like we had a lot of, it, we had to like question what some of our uh, colleagues were saying and kind of like have to reflect on, how they, we, you know, for a time were caught up in, in this kind of like insanity of, of uh, Imperial going into all these countries, you know, having a US presence in in like 30 countries in Africa um, on this like insane mission to like find the terrorists and kill the terrorists because 9-11 happened and they're going to come here if we don't kill all of them. It's just like, it, it's so insane to look back on that and just realize like how how like, whacked out we were i mean i was at least i have an excuse for myself and 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 you do too you know you were in your like 20s and whatever and i was i think i was like a teenager um but just like the the lack of serious people and intellectual depth of our decision makers during that time and today it's it's the same problem it's just like a bunch of people that just have no um understanding of like what it takes to govern a functioning
1: republic right so so as, as you brought that up i wanted to to bring up something because at the end of the day and this is why i got into this business you know and why i i persist in this you know and when we say business like it's whatever the fuck it is i don't even know um but but the the kind of um let's say the battle of ideas or at least the recognition that ideas and what people think and how and 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 how they construct the world um, really matters, and it's utterly consequential. And I think there are a lot of folks who would rather, you know, who feel more comfortable looking at, you know, uh, defense, uh, you know, not defense, but like look, looking at um, at uh, you know people spending money. And you know whatever rich bankers or, or whoever pulling the strings in order to get you know pipelines or this and that, and of course, all that exists but um, but ideas have an amazing way of shaping the world and, and and what happens and here's a great example so as you were speaking i I thought of um, you know the person who is kind of primarily responsible for the intellectual um, the intellectual push, let's say, of the freedom agenda. And uh, I would give most of the the you know the, the, the credit to Bernard Lewis, who was the uh, the eminent um, Princeton uh, historian, scholar of Islam, um, who you know who, who, who died several years ago, but um, probably one of the most influential people of the late, you know, uh, certainly of the last 20, 20 years. And in, and in how we deal with a lot of these things. And, you know, so he wrote a piece um, this piece that uh, that is up at real clear politics um, is 20 is 2006, but I know that he's been saying this. There's one thing that he said sort of immediately after nine 11, that got the ball rolling. And I know he was very influential within the Bush white house and the p- name of the piece is called bring them freedom or they destroy us. Oh, and man. it was, it, you know, I mean, and this is not a guy that,
0: that's short of the facts. You know, this is a this is a genius that very much understands the region, which is interesting.
1: Yes, and it's really interesting because, you know, and 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 you know, I mean, I I, I know somebody who's kind of obsessed with this uh, malignant um, influence of, of of Lewis through this time, and you know, Lewis was a very clear headed scholar of Islam and the Middle East for many years, for most of his life, and then all of a sudden he pops up out with this. And um, it was it ended up being embraced by a lot of folks who should have known better, but frankly were like intellectually ill prepared mm-hmm. to be able to fight back. And the propaganda coming from this, um, coming from this set of ideas, and just kind of you know briefly as the um, you know I mean the title says it all: bring them freedom or they destroy us. Which is which is that uh, at the end of the day the fight that we have in the middle east the jihadis that are attacking us are attacking us because their own systems are broken and when their systems when 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 there's no when there's a lack of political freedom and 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 social freedom but especially political freedom um this kind of expresses itself you know like the the you know the, the the teapot you know, will uh will kind of you know burst at the side with 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 stuff in order to um in order to sort of vent the um the pressure and that expresses itself in you know jihadi attacks on us. I mean that's the very simplified um uh thing and and so of course like what's the remedy then the remedy then is to go all around the world and toppling these countries and installing Western style um you know what he says you know western style freedom and you know let's say that it is moral to do so you know to undertake such a project um even if it was moral to undertake such a project it you know you've got to it's got to be realistic um, in order for it to be a thing Um, it was so unrealistic and it's amazing to me. I mean, as you said, we went through 20 years of people still believing this. And frankly, you go to national review, you go to commentary, you go to go to some of these places and these talking points are so stale, but you hear them, you still hear them. And when you hear them, you're like, I can't believe that I'm in the twilight zone because reality has, has had absolutely no effect over 20 years. You know, it's one thing to be, you know, you and I were young, Um, you know, young, easily, uh, you know, easily propagandized. You know, I'm sure we had our, you know, I'm sure we had our concerns. But I remember this. I remember it distinctly when when Bill Kristol slammed um, a Democratic opponent of the Iraq war and said, what, you think Iraqis uh, aren't suited for freedom? Mm -mm. You know, you racist. And a lot of Republicans cheered, and they were like, oh, "Okay, yeah, yeah, you got him." You know, uh, Dems are the real racists, right? Um, uh, you know, but so- again,
0: that's that's a white pill reflection, right? Because like, if we transform back to 2003, 2004, the leaders of the GOP. <laughs> our George W. Bush, you know, Dick Cheney, our intellectual leaders, are David Frum, uh, Bill Crystal, <laughs> like just total clowns, charlatans, like scammers, low IQ. Right. Um, they, at least like now we have some like, we have some serious people um, with some really great energy supporting our ideas. Um, the whole idea of a uniparty Really showed itself back then, but today in D.C. we still have the uniparty, but we we have people on the outside that are consuming more power, which is which is healthy. That you can just like, hopefully, end up somehow in the future we're gonna have to like you know insert politicians that are very based and stuff like that. And I think that there's like some efforts, um, like a, a couple of our friends are are running for Congress. And and I hope they win, but yeah. right now the change will not come from Washington D.C. Uh, and and I, I, like I, I just love to see the energy coming from the outside, getting um you know these like more decentralized movements or even like you know listening to your favorite podcast, whomever that is, and you know, getting some real um, knowledge from these avenues instead of just listening to these idiots on Fox News and CNN. Um, just like with these, foxes, some good people, <laughs> but, uh, you know, these these laughably um, false and unimpressive talking points that I'm seeing, there's just so much more depth, I think, on the right now than there used to be. At least the depth has been elevated.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, for for sure. And you know what, it always existed, but technology and the sort of uh acela corridor uh cartel made it impossible to get to it i mean i remember perchance i mean i always tell the story Uh, i was living in new york and i went to tower records magazine section in 2002 2003 and i saw a claremont review of books which i'd never seen before you know and uh it was in there was uh, an article on um uh you know, on kind of post 9-11 with, uh, with both Angela Cotavilla and also uh, Mark Halperin. And man, it's still, these things still hold up absolutely perfectly. And you can find them on the uh, Claremont Review of Books uh, website. But, um, but the, you know, the Acela Corridor Conservatives, you know, specifically, it was like News Corp, Weekly Standard National Review, um, you know, commentary. These guys made sure not to deal at all with any criticism coming from their right at all, zero. It was unacknowledged. It was, it was, uh, it was you know, hermetically sealed. And that no longer exists, which is a great thing. It's a wonderful thing. And, and, it's, and it's something to be white-pilled about. Um, and yeah, that's a good point.
0: Like if their strategy, they lost the plot when they started to engage us too much.
1: Like a guy Hmm. like,
0: um, like if you want to name drop some names, like a guy like Jonah Goldberg, David French, they are obsessed with engaging their opponents to the right, right? Like they didn't used to do that. They used to just like kind of like be like, oh yeah, these guys are like kooks. Don't take any of their words seriously, but they didn't even name names. And now they're just like heavily engaged with punching right entirely, but it's also offering legitimacy to those arguments. And then they're just, continuing to lose their subscriber base. And I I think that, you know, people just now see them as, as clowns.
1: So. Yeah. People see them as clowns. So this, the same thing that we, you know, we've, we've, we've done, you know, great stuff, let's say in the commentariat um, on one hand, but on the other hand, what ended up happening and to your point about um, about Washington is over the last four years, I mean, it was longer than that but over the last 4 years people have seen at least they've seen that the government is completely in the hands of the administrative state you know what people call the deep state is is actually the national security branch of the administrative state it's absolutely synonymous you know a lot of people the the the, the, the folks who argue that that doesn't exist they're full of shit it absolutely exists it is it is um, you know, staffed by uh, a ton of people who all frankly just think the same way. And, you know, you don't need an additional level of corruption. Sometimes you get it, but you don't need an additional level of corruption on top of that, um, of that universal agreement. And they, I mean, look how hard it was, right? You ha- in 2016, you had, you had one candidate, Donald Trump, alone against, let's say the Iraq war consensus you know what was that like north carolina or i think it was south carolina debate he came out um, really charging hard against jeb and against um, you know and against his brother the former president and he got a standing ovation yeah. in the hall and and and, out, and outside he was saying things that a lot of republican voters believed zero you know 0.1% of folks within the dc bubble held those opinions and yet, here we are. It's now five years later, and most of the Republican Party still in Washington, you know, in Washington is still clinging to this stuff. So, you know, victory after victory, poll after poll, um, you know, uh, these but Republicans seem like, to be impervious. I
0: think that's like the magnet of Washington, though. Like, our best people are now no longer living in Washington and have no interest in being in Washington. So I think it's just like a sign of the times almost that um, the reason why Congress sucks, there's just like this institutional, you know, you got like the revolving door lobbying stuff. But I, I think that like, you know, our, our best people just don't want to touch it at, at this point. Like what what is the point of running for Congress? I guess you can like make some bold statements on social media, but you're not really going to get anything done um, you know, I, I could name drop a, a a half a dozen Congress members that I really like, and I appreciate what they're doing, but they're not really changing anything yeah, there because it, because
1: <laughs> the government is no longer the, because the government is no longer the same. It's not mm-hmm. the government of the founding. I mean, it's getting getting back to late republic nonsense. It's mm-hmm. not the it's not the um, the republic of the founding at all. The government is run. I mean this was this was you know one of the big critiques that drew me to Claremont in the first place, which is something that uh, that um, that John Marini talks about um, a lot in in his writings, which is which is you know sort of going really in depth uh, uh, into the philo- into the um, the administrative state kind of from a from a political philosophy point of view, which is that it's not just you know a cabal run by a bunch of people who think the same. Um, it's in fact a bunch, a cabal run by a bunch of people who think the same, who are running your country, and that last point is really key because it, that brings it into the realm of you know that brings it really into the realm of political philosophy, which is that like this regime, you know, the American regime has has changed substantially to get us to that point, and um, you know, and it means things for, um, you know, for how we. You know, consider ourselves, you know, how how, how we are actually governed um, in a way. And so what that means for members of Congress is it just turns the job into, um, you know, you, you just become a social media influencer. Yeah, I mean, that's why we've got AOC and, you know, and, and, you know, and Ilhan Omar and, and you know, Cori Bush and whatever. And then, frankly, you've got on the other side of the coin, you've got um, you've got a bunch of Republicans, too who very quickly have realized that their primary uh you know skill set doesn't have to be in crafting legislation um or in negotiating with the executive branch or blah 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 blah. it just basically has to be you know social media influencer you know you can be an instagram star and you can really do this so um because there's not much else to the gig at this point it's
0: weird i i think that like it one of our really important jobs as, as people that you know have a decent sized audience is to make people aware of you know the, the deep state, the administrative state, and how that includes. And I think this was an eye-opening experience during the COVID stuff and during the Trump presidency, was that this includes the defense establishment, this includes the Pentagon. And we're going to have to change the way we think about um, these kind of like blank checks that Republicans historically have been giving to these institutions. And in in my opinion, it's clear as day that when um, that Republican constituents need to at least put pressure on these corrupt and deceitful legislators, that it's no longer acceptable. And and the next Republican candidate for, for president needs to make it very clear that these institutions need to be defunded. They need to be removed from the executive branch entirely. And that's what they should be campaigning on. It shouldn't be on, you know, some type of reform. Like, I think the right is so ready for someone that's just like going to go in there and not Trump kind of like laid the groundwork for that. But I would love to see another person uh, build upon that to the point where we get the right to a position where it's like, no, we actually don't want to give the Pentagon $800 billion this year. We want to radically reduce the influence of the institutions in Washington, DC. And then you can start opening up the conversation about like, okay, so what does it look like to, to remove all of these, um, uh, power centers from DC? And then you can have a, you know, some of your favorite discussions about, uh, you know, two States and stuff like that. But (laughs) I think it's, um, I think it's so important for people to realize moving forward that uh, who, your, who your adversaries are and who your allies are. And, and the, the DC people, it doesn't matter if, you know, if the people in the Pentagon are you know, are still like wearing their uniform like Mark Miley, these guys hate you. You know, there, there's, no, there's no like white hat coalition in the Pentagon that, that is, is ready to, you know, advance uh, right wing interests. They hate you and they wanna do whatever they want. They wanna continue their boondoggles overseas. Um, They want to make their friends rich. They want to make Raytheon, Boeing rich. These people all work against your interests. And I think once, I think we're we're doing a lot to help people understand this, how how legitimate this threat is. And it'll pay dividends, hopefully um, in the next election cycle. And I think we're really going to see, um, there's a guy, I think uh, Joe Kent, who's running in, uh, he's kind of like, he's doing a lot of interesting things and talking about issues that no one has talked about. Like, he's like, okay, I don't like the FBI. He's like, like FBI, F, F, FBI is like, okay, that's, that's really cool. Like, I hope we get more congressmen that are like super based like that, that are talking like this about our institutions because uh, the right historically and intelligently
1: too. I mean, he's a good guy yeah. and he's, and he's, and he's sharp. Oh, was brilliant. Yeah. yeah.
0: But I, I think the right historically has gotten, Suckered into supporting things that are actually against our own interests. So once we get everyone like fully uh, red pilled or based on these issues, that's when you start to like make huge changes um, for you know not only your community but for more widespread areas of the country. And uh, you know that that's kind of I, I think should be. Um, I, I hope that some people with a lot of money also realize that these are. Should be priorities for you know the right moving forward.
1: Right. No. No. I agree. I agree. I think the next step here is to um, is to see what happens. I mean, the drama now is between Washington and the states, and what kind of um, you know what kind of Republican conservative governor in you know a state like 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 let's say florida is going to pop up and um and you know where is he going to draw the line because that's a con that is like a a you know that's a political conflict but it's like kind of metaphysical conflict too between um between two completely opposed sets of um you know uh, visions of the world and um you know that it's it's actually a perfect forum for where that battle can play out.
0: Yeah, like, you know, Joe Biden was just recently in, in Florida, and I think I think all the, the top people were with him. I would love to get to the point where Ron DeSantis is saying, we don't want you here. We want nothing to do with you. Stay home in Washington.
1: Oh, yeah, well, that's a dream. <laughs> we're not that's there totally yet,
0: dream. but I think we can get there. <laughs> but he, he's doing great. Uh, he, talk about defying... Uh, narratives that, you, you know, he did so much stuff on the, on the COVID front, um, you know, with the, with the, the women's, uh, transgender stuff, he's just been killing it. You know, I'm, I'm so appreciative. And and the guy has an awesome staff too. Like he's actually, um, uh, I know Trump said he's He hired the best people. That was like his infamous line, but DeSantis is really hiring the best people and holding them to high standards. And, and it's so appreciated, uh i think he's just he he understands the game and and he's just killing it and that's the thing like i i don't really want to lose him right so like maybe we can just send someone else to washington to run on the on the ticket because like florida's like in a solid place and i don't want to screw that up Uh, especially like he just he just won by thirty thousand votes or whatever against a a a meth addicted
1: um, well come on let's (laughs) be fair we don't know if he was a meth addict he was a meth user (laughs) Yeah. He's just a casual right, right. Meth guy. <laughs> he likes going to casual uh, meth, gay hookers, you know, <laughs> like, you know, who knows where, who knows where it goes from, uh, you know, uh, you know, you fun know what to addiction, is- you know, know what I found interesting about, about me yeah. when
0: yeah. I was doing like research on, on Qatar, the, uh, you know, the jihadi nation in the Gulf they uh gillam was like randomly at one of those events and you're like yeah that that kind of makes sense oh my god yeah oh, the, the, that doha forum is just like a great place to see like who's super corrupt and willing to be bought off by the jihadis <laughs> right so interesting
1: look a lot right. of people don't know better when they get the call they say oh all right sounds good middle east paradise yeah
0: attached Got to cut a promo,
1: (laughs) right? I I don't know if I don't know if they go for his kind of lifestyle over there, but um, (laughs) you know, it's uh, yeah. So so I wanted to uh, I wanted to to talk because um, to to sort of like uh, but before we wrap up, I wanted to get to this because so you started a Substack several months ago, and I started a Substack like a month ago. And so we're both kind of doing this and um, and it's been really interesting and and an amazing experience. Um, Tell me about it. Tell me about number one is why why did you do it and um, and why why do you think that? um, Yeah, I mean, why why do you think it's cool?
0: Yeah, you know, I think that the modern economy really um, emphasizes the need for having personal autonomy. And I, I spent a lot of time, you know, I was at Breitbart, CRTV, Blaze. I was, as at like all these traditional writer center institutions and, you know, I enjoyed my time there and stuff like that. But, you know, I, I, I once I like had a decently sized audience and, you know, I really appreciate people that, that follow me on Twitter and, uh, you know, I'm so, I'm so honored that people find what I say interesting. Like, I, I don't like, a lot of people. It's interesting. They, 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 I'm sure they reach out to you. and They're like, "Oh, how do I like build my following?" And I was like, "I don't know. Like, say something interesting." Right. But, right. Uh, <laughs> like, there's no like secret to that. But um, I think Substack is great because you just have or, or whatever newsletter platform you want to use. But you can do so much now, and everyone can have their own publication. And with the podcasting too, you can reach an unlimited amount of audience as long as whatever you're saying is resonating with people. And I thought, um, yeah, I might take a bit of a cash hit at first by kind of just like jumping off and doing my own thing, but it's really paid dividends in the end. And, uh, anyone who's on the fence about it, I, they should just maybe not quit your job at first, but, but give it a shot. You know, it's, it's, um, it's so nice to have the flexibility to just basically be able to work from wherever you want and, I think it, it motivates me as more of like someone who's more entrepreneurial that wants like set my own hours. And if I want to work 12 hours one day, that's fine. If I want to work three hours another day, it's fine. And just like keeping yourself accountable. I think there's a lot of lessons to be learned. There's no need, there's no need for these, um, bigger institutions to really be around anymore. I mean, I have like a, you know, we have USB mics, we have nice cameras and it's just like the need for like the structure with. Sure, you might get some good production value if you're working for uh, Fox News and and you you know you have a makeup person and stuff like that. But I don't think that's the way that um, this economy is going with the news media and the press. And I, I think that like this is kind of the, the the way forward for for people who have interesting things to say. I, what's what's your uh, take right. on all that? No,
1: no. I mean, I would agree with all that. I would make a couple observations. Uh, um, you know, based on what you said. Well, the, the first the first thing is um it's fascinating that the kind of the televisual form um, of let's say i mean let's say we're talking about politics um the televisual form of politics is basically what like a minute soundbite four five minute hit at the most a couple you know people are doing longer form discussions like you know mark levin on sundays blah 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 but on the internet, what you've got is you've got you know what are the things that are very popular? The things that are very popular are like three-hour Joe Rogan podcasts. Yeah. On one hand, and on the other hand is is you know Twitter, which is the ultimate microblogging thing. Mm-hmm. And if you want to get even more um, you know uh, 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 ridiculous, is you've got TikTok, and you've got Instagram, you know all which which you know condense condense information. And really Substack exists in that in-between space. And as you do it, like as I'm doing it, I'm learning, you know, you can't make it too long, you can't make it too short, you can't, you know, you're you're sort of you're 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 groping around, or at least I'm groping around for like the 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 correct you know the correct mix that met that meets the needs of the audience and also um uh the medium because the medium um, you know, I mean the media is not medium isn't necessarily always the message but it often is yeah. and uh, and i think we're living in a weird time where on one hand we have these these kind of you know super long super in-depth arguably self-indulgent 3-hour conversations on one hand on the other hand you have the very little thing so um so what does that tell you i'm not sure what it tells you i would love to to, to you know, to pick people's brains about it and, and, and think it through in, in that way. Um, but, uh, but, but yeah, I mean, Substack offers a, um, you know, a some, somewhere in the middle. And frankly, it's somewhere in the middle between the tweet and, you know, an article. You know, we used to go and we used to do articles, you know, you, you and I, for a lot of these, as you said, a lot of these, um, these, these conservative publications. And it's like okay, a thousand words and blah blah blah. And and what's interesting is, is speaking of the autonomy, is I always hated to do. I can't do a nine hundred word or a, a nine hundred word or a thousand word piece. I can't. Either it's like four hundred words, or mm-hmm. it's going to be three thousand words. And you know, ninety nine percent of the time it's three thousand words or five thousand or something like that. And um, and increasingly there are fewer and fewer outlets that exist in the conservative space that will publish a thing that's 3000 words.
0: And if they do, you know, they're looking they're 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 going to publish 50 things that day, right? So you're not going to get any any hits on your on your on your piece even if someone that right. promotes it. So why waste the time putting all that time and energy into something like that? Um, and I think there's something that keeps you more accountable about publishing under your own name consistently and your own site rather than just like throwing something to uh, one of the publications that we enjoy. Uh, I think, and at least like I personally hold myself to a pretty high standard when I'm publishing something and it, it, yeah, like, you know, you can publish something at a, at another publication and maybe they'll like throw you some cash for that. But for me, it's just like, I don't know. I I like, I like doing my own thing. So I I don't really miss. And yeah, maybe, I will from time to time like, you know, throw something up at like Federalists and and you do the same too. And I, I think that's fun, you know, every once in a while to put your name out there. But in this day and age, I don't think people really care about like the credentials of the publication. They're just like, I want to see what this person has to has to say or write. Because right. like And
1: this is a thing, but this a thing that, that kind of goes across or maybe it's the thing that social media taught us, which is that you end up developing a relationship with the person. Yeah. you know, like, let's say, you know, I mean, it's a, I kind of hate this term, but with the content producer, right. Um, you know, whatever medium it happens to be. And you say, you know what, I want to go, I want to support this person, because I like this person. And this person is interesting. And, you know, maybe they're, you know, they put out an article that ah, I don't really give a shit about, okay, that's fine. Um, or, you know, another time, it's good, or or, you know, maybe I like this person in you know, on Twitter, and then maybe I'll take a chance on their Substack or whatever it is, which is you know usually how it comes for you know for 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 you and I. Um, so uh, it's going to be, it, you know, I mean, I don't know. I, th- I think it's going to be wild. I'm 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 looking forward to uh, looking forward to doing more.
0: Yeah, I've become in this day age. I've become anti-credentials. I purposely don't put my credentials on on my Twitter page now. I'm just like, all right. F- see if you like my stuff uh, and and people that have followed me for a long time, like know where I come from and stuff like that. But I think it's like, it's nice to be part of a, a movement that is purely based on um, if you can like have your shit together and produce something interesting rather than like, Oh, I went to um, Cornell and I'm going to write about the politics like no one gives a shit about that right so no but nobody,
1: nobody nobody gives a shit about it i mean look i mean i guess some some people do you know to the extent that they're hired
0: yeah. by
1: you know by by you know maybe you know useless outfits in you know in, in washington dc but um you know yeah and 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 uh, i mean the other thing is is that you know where where, creden- where credentials are no longer valid or accepted um also, you know, you have the entry of a bunch of you know new people who just kind of walk in off the street, which right. frankly, I don't know. I mean, I think it's great. I think it's great. Um, and and um, and that's why a lot of the sort of credentialed people go crazy. And they have gone crazy since 2016, you know, Trump the ultimate non-credential person. Um, but with I, I don't Trump, know
0: about you, but when I think about like I have institutional distrust for anyone with a PhD at this point. Like when I see that someone online has a PhD, unless there's someone that I'm, I'm like well aware of and, and they studied like a specific, maybe like philosophy that, that I, right. that I respect, like someone with like a PhD from a top tier institution in the United States, I automatically
1: think like Marxist, right? Right. <laughs> so, right. Or this person is completely out of their minds, yeah. Yes. yeah yeah yeah, I mean that's a safe bet it's a it's a it's it's a safe bet today and um and uh and w- what's cool is that um, at the end of the day, all you really need to do is do good stuff mm-hmm. and stuff that's interesting and um you know but
0: I, I think that's like the the this social media environment at least while we're allowed to Um, you know, expand our audiences before I think an inevitable crackdown comes on that too. This is kind of like, I think that's the reason why the right is winning because our ideas are better. Our ideas are substantially better. Um, Our people tend to be more um, intellectually curious and they are operating under a paradigm that we kind of control. And, And when push comes to shove, we just have smarter more interesting people right now and i i think that the left almost realizes that and that's why i think that in the future we'll see some kind of play to even further crack down but but as of right now that's that's why like i'm, I'm so optimistic is because i think we have a better army on our side
1: sure um for for, for sure and and the way this is shaken out i mean our friend kyle scheidler um, always says that, I mean, for the last several years, he's been saying that, you know, at the end of the day, the way this shook out in terms of, you know, um, you know, Trump never Trump and, and, and folks who are, you know, based and not based and, you know, um, et cetera, et cetera, like the way things shook out with the, with the right people and our friends and, and, and all that stuff, it like, it, it shook out well, like, you know, yeah. the, the, um, the the community that was created, especially in the last couple of years, um, with you know some of us who were who were saying things that let's say challenge the 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 old conservative orthodoxy, um, you know, I mean, what a great gang to be a part of.
0: Yeah, and I think a lot of us uh, made our way through tremendous adversity too to get to get to a position of like influencing a lot of people. Um, like look at what our friend Julie Kelly's doing, right? She's like the, the one woman crew that's talking about perhaps the biggest story of the day and she's getting, you know, tons of good feedback. And, you know, that stuff is, um, makes me very optimistic. And, and there's, there's so many people like that, that are, you know, when you're willing to, um, you know, walk into this like war zone, sometimes if you have good things to say, a lot of people will hear you and realize, and then you're just going to continue to build that movement even even more so, but yeah, I'm, you know, so appreciative of the, uh, you know, the friends and colleagues that uh, I, I've made in this space and, and, you know, I'll take our people against their people anytime, right?
1: Right. So this has been a uh, white pill summer, looking forward to black pill fall. Um, you know, we'll see, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens, but I'm good. Have you got anything? Nope. Enjoy the conversation. Fantastic. As always, I did as well. Uh, All right. Thank you very much for listening.